Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. Do you love time machines, musicals, and jokes? Of course you do. That's why Story Pirates creator Danny Teeger made a brand new podcast called Musical Time Machine. Who says you can't have a dance party while learning about diverse trailblazers? From Abraham Lincoln and Harriet Tubman to George Washington Carver and Thomas Edison. Search for Musical Time Machine on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts to join the fun. Hello again, Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host with the most and keeper of the strangest, spookiest tales on Earth. Today is another Ivy's chilling tale. This haunted high seas tale, Story Club members, might make you set sail for calmer waters. It's one I call Beware of Bolin Baker. Jennifer Gunn had heard the stories of Bolin Baker, but she didn't believe them. Her friend, Frankie Holland, did though. In fact, he was the one who told her about Bolin Baker in the first place. They were sailing on Frankie's father's boat, High Hopes. He'd bought the sailboat, restored the wreck, and this was its maiden voyage. Frankie told Jennifer that an old man on the pier had told him the sailboat used to belong to Bolin Baker. Named Albert David Baker, he was a sailor who used to work on commercial fishing boats 75 years ago. But his mean temper, antisocial nature, and drunken behavior often led him to being fired. He was nicknamed Bolin Baker after the well-known nautical knot. Upset with the world, Bolin Baker bought a sailboat, High Hopes, with the idea to find calm and peace on the ocean by himself. Fed up with society, he planned to sail the seas and go wherever the current took him, leaving from Point Hope, Alaska. However, a few months after he'd gone to sea, Baker's radio transmission stopped. It was assumed that he'd been lost at sea. And he was. Then, on August 5th, 1957, a science vessel found the lone sailboat in the Arctic archipelago. Apparently, it'd been drifting through the frosty islands for years. Going aboard, the crew found the mummified corpse of Baker. Apparently, he died in his sleep as he was still in his bunk, but his ship, High Hopes, had sailed on. The science vessel captain towed the ship back into Newfoundland and reported the death. He also reported that some strange things had started happening aboard his own ship. Some men had gone missing, presumably having jumped overboard. There were also reports of an angry ghost walking the halls of their boat, who appeared to be Bolin Baker based on the photographs of the cantankerous sailor that they'd seen. No one can say why this happened, but it seemed to occur once they discovered the ship High Hopes and had towed it in. It was believed by some superstitious members of the crew that the restless spirit of the sailor Bolin Baker was disturbed by them. After that, the boat High Hopes went from one owner to another rather quickly. Many of the owners reported that they'd experienced near-fatal accidents while the sailing vessel was in their possession. Frankie's dad, like Jennifer, didn't believe in ghosts or ghost stories. Frankie told his friend, Jennifer, and his father, but they only laughed at him when they spoke of Bolin Baker. 
That night, though, Jennifer couldn't sleep. The boat was creaking as the dark ocean lapped the sides of it. They'd anchored out in the open water about 10 miles from the shores of northern Maine. The summer night was clear and cold. The cool wind kissed her cheeks. They were going home tomorrow, which was good. Spending the night at sea to try the boat out on its maiden voyage as a restored vessel was fun, but she missed having a Wi-Fi signal and land. She really had an appreciation for standing on good old terra firma as she was trying to get her sea legs out here in the Atlantic Ocean. Suddenly, Jennifer realized that she wasn't alone. At first, she thought it was Frankie's father coming up on deck from below to check on things, but it wasn't her best friend's father. No, this was a thin man with a gray complexion. He was bald on top, and his curly sideburns formed a thick beard that looked like a bird's nest. His eyes seemed to glow with a fiery light all on their own. What are you doing on my ship? The ghost of Bolin Baker asked. Hi, I'm uh, Jennifer Gunn, and this boat belongs to my friend's dad. Silence! It belongs to me, and I don't want you on it. You will pay. You all will pay. The next morning, Frankie woke up and found himself alone on the boat. He searched for his friend and his father, thinking that they were already awake and on deck, but they were not. The sailboat was equipped with a lifeboat, a dinghy, but it hadn't been taken. He searched the foggy water surrounding the boat, looking for signs of them, but he could find none. He was alone, surrounded in the mist. Frankie went to the radio to call for help, but he found that it'd been disabled. Someone had purposely tampered with it so it wouldn't work. Surely his dad hadn't done this. Down in the galley, Frankie realized that he wasn't alone. He recognized the ghost of Bolin Baker, who smiled at him with brown teeth. The specter's impossibly large smile seemed to cut into his face like a razor. Frankie fled up to the deck, untied the dinghy, dropped it into the water, and leapt onto the lifeboat. He would row toward shore. Anything was better than dying at the hands of Bolin Baker, which Frankie now assumed to be the fate of his father and disbelieving friend. Frankie rowed away from the sailboat high hopes. On the deck, in the mist, he caught sight of Bolin Baker, laughing, laughing, laughing at him. So, from the reports I received, Frankie Holland safely returned ashore and reported to the Coast Guard what had happened. They sent out a rescue boat and towed the High Hopes vessel back to shore. Unfortunately, they also found nobody on board. Bolin Baker is still out there, and Frankie hasn't slept through the night since. See you soon, beloved listeners. <laughs> Hello again, Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host with the most and keeper of the strangest, spookiest tales on Earth. Today is another Ivy's chilling tale. This soggy tale, Story Club members, might make you stay on the surface of the water. It's one I call Sunken Spirits. Autumn Nash, Willow Yates, and I headed down to Wilmington, North Carolina for some sun and fun at the coastal community. I so love traveling with my two amazing besties. Willow had checked to see if there were any haunted places in the area, as she knew Autumn and I would likely check them out if they were there. We told her this was strictly a vacation. No ghost hunting would be happening. Little did Autumn and I realize that we accidentally fibbed to dear Willow, because ghost hunting turned out to be on the agenda, big time. Around the third day of our trip, which mostly consisted of us lying on the beach and strolling along on the boardwalk looking at shops while eating ice cream, we decided to go scuba diving. 
If you remember, Autumn and I went diving in George's Lake Lanier while Willow lounged on the boat. This time, though, she was going with us. Yay, finally! It was early September, still plenty warm, and we'd missed Hurricane Jacqueline by a few days. After we got Willow certified to scuba dive, we rented all the equipment and chartered a boat to go out and search for some coral reefs and sea animals. The area of the ocean we went to is called the Graveyard of the Atlantic, as it's reported that hundreds of ships had sunk in this spot over the centuries. With luck, we figured we'd maybe spot a wreck. After we dived down deep into the blue waters of the North Atlantic, we searched around on the ocean floor, picking up shells and other souvenirs. It was Willow who actually spotted the shipwreck. We didn't know at the time, but it was the Telemachus, which was an illegal rum runner ship that went down on December 4th, 1933, one day before the American prohibition ended. It was piloted by Captain Romer Benchley. The aged ship was mossy green and covered in barnacles. We learned later that this ship wasn't usually in this region of the ocean. It had shifted across the ocean floor due to the recent hurricane. We explored the outside of the ship, taking pictures of each other with the special underwater camera we'd rented. Autumn then gave me hand signals that she wanted to check the interior of the wreck. I didn't think it was a good idea and shook my head. It's dangerous to go poking around in underwater wrecks, and it's often forbidden by the local authorities. But Willow motioned that she wanted to go with Autumn. Wow, that was a first. Usually Willow tries to stay away from danger and the unknown, the same way my dog Spike and Renfield avoid me when it's their bath time. Relenting, I went along with my friends. Luckily, I had a dive light or we would have never been able to see anything inside the ship. We searched around in the lower decks first. Strangely, for a wreck that was under the water for nearly 90 years, the Telemachus was well-preserved. We found wooden cases of bottled rum that were still intact. During the Prohibition days, the sale and distribution of alcohol was illegal, so it was manufactured and then smuggled, often by ships like the Telemachus in the dead of night. This one went down during a December storm and its expensive cargo and her crew were all lost. Since it was an illegal boat, it's not exactly known how many men were on the crew, but it's estimated to have been at least seven, including Captain Benchley. In front of a door that read Captain's Quarters, I snapped a picture of Autumn and Willow. They were making all kinds of silly poses. Each time the flash went off, exploding into the darkness for an instant, I kept seeing a face behind them. A pale, gaunt face with two dark holes where eyes once were, and crooked, smiling teeth. I couldn't shake the feeling that what I was seeing was definitely there and we weren't alone. And I was right, as Autumn started searching around behind her. She felt some psychic vibrations, which she's always so attuned to. Willow wanted me to show her the pictures. I turned on the display, and sure enough, in the photos stood a man wearing an old peacoat with a skeleton face. Willow screamed through her regulator and started swimming to the surface of the ocean as fast as she could. I had to grab her leg and slow her down. If you're scuba diving and rise too quickly, you can get nitrogen bubbles in your blood, which is often called the bends. That's obviously not good at all, so I had to intervene. After all three of us reached the surface safely and climbed back onto our charted boat that was anchored and waiting for us to return, Willow freaked out at Autumn and I for tricking her into yet another ghost excursion. We told her that this one was a complete accident, which was true. These sunken spirits had just been there for all of us to find. 
Willow did not talk to us for a couple of hours. She just sat sullenly on the boat. But when we returned to shore, she started to thaw. And then Autumn and I bought her a massive root beer float from a cute little 50s diner. After that, Willow called a truce. But I gotta admit that seeing the photos of Captain Romer Benchley's ghost lurking behind them gave me chills too. And it wasn't just from sipping an icy root beer float. Okay, beloved listeners, this watery tale goes out to Landon, who wrote me at ivy at gokidgo.com. Landon wants to be a marine archaeologist so he can explore shipwrecks and lost underwater cities. How cool is that? Take it from me, Landon. You can do anything if you believe in yourself. And I certainly believe in you. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Do you like to laugh? Ah, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So, okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you. And the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello there, Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host with the most and keeper of the strangest, spookiest tales on Earth. Today is another Ivy's chilling tale. This monstrous tale, Story Club members, might make you stay away from the edge of dark waters. It's one I call Gator Bait. Mike Young was enjoying the new present he'd gotten for his 11th birthday, a mountain bike. But what he didn't know is that his cool new ride would soon have him fighting for his life. 
It was Saturday afternoon when Mike wanted to take his bike out. He had a helmet, tire pump, and water bottle at the ready. Mike put on a backpack with a few snacks packed inside and took off for a bike ride around the lake park in his hometown in South Florida. He'd tracked his progress, which was a 12-mile loop around the rustic, wooded park. As he was passing the shimmering afternoon lake, Mike noticed that he was pedaling harder than usual. When he gazed down at his tires, he noticed the rear one was flat. Dang it, flat tires on a brand new bike. What a drag. Climbing off the bike, Mike reached into his backpack and pulled out some fix-a-flat spray. It had some goop in it that was supposed to fill up your tire so you could pedal home. After that, the tire would have to be repaired or replaced. His mom would certainly not be happy about that. Mike saw what was stuck in his tire, a rusty nail. Who leaves a rusty nail on a bike path? Probably some jerk, that's who. He pulled out the tire pump. Maybe he'd fill up the tires a little more with air before taking off again. With his back to the lake and the sun on his shoulders, he started filling up the tires. However, a moment later, Mike was violently jerked backwards and dragged across the grass. Glancing behind him, Mike saw an alligator that he estimated to be around 10 feet long. The alligator had gripped Mike by his backpack and was pulling him into the water. People and pets had to be careful near the edge of the water, Mike knew this. Once, he was told that alligators and crocodiles waited below the surface for prey to come to the water's edge. Then they would leap out of the water, propelled by their massive tails, and snap their mean jaws down on unsuspecting prey, dragging them into the murky waters. Mike had the tire pump in his hands. He knew that if the gator dragged him into the water, he was done for. He screamed at the top of his lungs, hoping someone in the park would hear him. But nobody came to his aid. He was alone. He'd have to fight this beast all by himself. Mike attempted to strike the attacking animal on its snout so it would let go of him, but the way the pack straps had pulled up under his armpits and the force of being jerked backwards made this strategy difficult to execute. So then, Mike tried to grip into the sandy beach with the heels of his sneakers, but he only made two long grooves in the wet sand. The alligator was much larger than Mike. This plan wouldn't work either. A moment later, Mike was in the water. Luckily, he gulped down as much air as he could before going down. The alligator spun Mike around and around. He felt like he was in a washing machine. The force of it made Mike dizzy and disoriented, but he held his breath. Luckily, the alligator let go for a brief moment to get another bite at Mike. As it came at his left arm, Mike jammed the two-foot-long tire pump into the mouth of the alligator. The monster tried to bite down on the metal pump, but couldn't. This gave Mike a chance to escape. He swam for the beach, paddling as hard as he could. He didn't know how long the pump would stay in the gator's mouth, but he wasn't wasting any time waiting to find out. As Mike swam, his feet dug into the sandy soft bottom, and he pulled himself out of the water, exhausted, his heart racing. He crawled to his bike. The 10-foot gator exploded out of the water again at him. Mike scrambled, putting his new bike between himself and the monster that wanted to eat him. He thrust his bike at the gator, it bit into the back seat, and then pulled his birthday present into the water. A moment later, realizing it didn't have anything good to eat, the gator swam off. Mike's bike was somewhere at the bottom of the lake. He was so grateful he was alive, but sad he'd lost the best birthday present he'd ever gotten. From now on, Mike decided he'd steer clear of the water forever.
Ugh, poor Mike. I say we put a GoFundMe together so we can get a new bike. What do you think, beloved listeners? Oh, and some gator repellent spray if that stuff even exists. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm gonna go chomp into a few enchiladas I've been cooking up in the kitchen. <laughs> Ivy out. Go, kid, go. Have you heard the news? The best podcast for dinosaur fans is out and a roaring good time for all. What happens when a bolt of lightning hits a digger machine on top of a site that's full of dinosaur fossils? Uh, the digger turns into Digger Rex, of course. Join Digger Rex, the half dinosaur, half digger, on his adventures by searching for Digger Rex on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.